break out the Vegemite, and throw another shrimp on the bobby. Because we're finally sitting down with longtime listener and our friend from down under, Enya Chitty. You've heard her stories of flinging plums at passersby and drinking out of puddles. Now it's time to hear this little rascal's ADHD origin story. Enya is sharing how a diagnosis in her early 30s changed the way she sees herself, ways she adapted her parenting style to meet her neurodivergent children's needs, how her ADHD hyperfocus led her to a career she's endlessly passionate about, and more. Whether you're a neurodivergent smurf or a neurotypical gnome, you're sure to find something to smile about in part one of our conversation with Enya. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, If you forgot why you came in this room, or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather. Weirds of a All right. Well, let's introduce the podcast. Yeah, yeah? I think so. All right. Welcome yeah. to Weirds of a Feather, an ADHD adjacent podcast. I'm your host, Grace Beret. And I'm your host, Kristen Stanhope. And we are joined by a very special guest today. We have our friend Enya on the podcast. Hi, I'm your special guest, Enya Chitty. <laughs> wow. Very professional. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. We have it's been um, dying to get absolute you delight. on here forever. Right? So thank you for finally joining us. I'm glad we can make it happen. Yeah. And uh, longtime listeners, you probably have already heard of Enya. She's all over the Facebook page. She's always responding to the Instagram polls and we talk about her a bunch. All the time. I think we have an episode called the Enya episode. Yeah. So yeah, welcome. We've been wanting to have you on the show and now we do. I know you're a big deal. In the flesh, but through the phone. Yes. Virtually. Virtually. We did it. And if you keep hyping me up, I'm going to crumble inside because I have that feeling of uh, suffocating you and your your podcast. But you cover so much um, t- thought-provoking content, it's kind of hard not to compulsively uh, reach out with opinions. We love, ha- we love your feedback. We love Don't hearing feedback. Don't ever apologize. Yeah. Don't apologize Stop it. That. Cut that out. <laughs> right. Copy that. Do you want to start us off with a warm-up question, Anna? You, you said you had a few. Would you like to share one? Yeah, I got warm-up questions. I'll try and turn these pages slowly. Beep. (laughs) Is that the drill for? (laughs) Very crusty. Beep. (laughs) Nice. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, giant baby. Okay. I've kind of not – I wrote this down in a rush, so it's lots of words, and I have to trust myself to remember what I meant by them. I had one note for you guys that was just Green Gables, and I will never know what I was meaning to say. (laughs) Um, So my warm-up question is, if teeny weeny animals move really fast and have really high reaction speeds, and then larger animals move slowly and have slow reaction speeds, does that mean that their brains are processing at different speeds and then subsequently 
if I don't know if people will get this reference, but there's an episode of Rick and Morty where um, the the giant incest baby gets launched into space and they come back and it helps them take down someone I can't remember. And I was watching it and thought, so if a human got exploded up into the size of like a King Kong, mm-hmm. because of because you're now giant and the amount of energy it uses to move muscles, so you're like now moving in slow motion like you're on the moon, mm-hmm. does your brain also process slower or if you were blown up to be that giant, does do you think at the same time, at uh, the same pace, which just feels like that nightmare where you're trying to run away from something and you can't make your legs move mm-hmm. fast enough? Oh. Or does your would your brain slow down to compensate so you didn't live in absolute torture of thinking at this speed and then having to function at that speed? That's a very good question. Like, yeah. are they frustrated by how slowly they're moving? Yeah. Is King Kong absolutely furious by the forces of gravity exacted on him? He was pretty his... nimble in the movie, so. But maybe not as nimble yeah. as he would like to be. Mm. I'm going to say, I think, yes, their brains probably do match the speed at which they can process things because I feel like they just experience time differently, you know? Yeah. Because they're able to move faster or slower. I just feel like their perception of time is different. So maybe the King Kong thinks that he's moving super fast, but he's just moving fast for a King Kong. Mm. And also, I guess that, mm, like, on a molecular, because if you think about, like, your neurons and how they're firing, when you're, does that mean each individual neuron and atom is bigger in size? Or maybe when you, like, when you're bigger, you must have more neurons, so that's, like, a better, uh, uh, more chain reactions to get the same stimulus or response. Hmm. You know, is it one, Is are the neurons growing in size or is it more neurons? More questions? Yeah, that's my question. question. Yeah. I don't have an exact answer for you, unfortunately. I know this is just to okay. ponder. But this is, this- well, if, any, if anyone has experienced, I suppose, being, what's the opposite of shrunk? Expanded, expanded to the size expanded. of... The giant incest yeah. baby from Rick and Morty. <laughs> yep. And can provide <laughs> listeners out yeah. there, a let us know. Answer to that question. Please. Yeah. You've been, know have you been expanded happened? or shrunk. Because then if you're shrunken down, yeah. like George shrinks or Honey, I shrunk, honey the kids. I shrunk the kids. Yeah. Are their brains just like moving faster than they've ever experienced before? Right. Or is it relative to their And size? then like, yeah, are the actual cells in their body smaller? They would have to be. They would have yeah. to be. I don't know. It it seems how much do cells vary in size? I think it depends on the on regular. The cell, but they can't be that much, you know? Right. I feel like, yeah, they probably when you expand, I think the space that they have to travel just expands also, but they're pro I don't know. They must expand with you. That's a good they question, must. Enya. But then, because I feel like if you were shrunk, you'd have to be able to move faster. Because yeah. everything well, there's that sweet spot. In, on, in Earth's animals where, like, the smallest and the biggest animals are slower than the medium-sized animals, like humans and oh, cheetahs and like stuff. Oh, because, like, the small animals are, are the it, fastest. smaller? 
and the big animals yeah big and slow because it's a lot of energy but i feel like if if I was the size of a drink bottle, I'd run like super fast. In my head, if I'm that size, I can also jump higher as well, like a grasshopper, just like a thousand times. Yeah, but it's all higher relative to size, though, now. right? Like, because isn't the flea to body size the highest jumper in the world? But they're still not going to jump higher than like a kangaroo because they're small. Mm. So if we got shrunk, we could still only jump like not higher than our own shoulders yeah so we'd just yeah. be stuck on the floor that's a bummer i know yeah, like I know. what's the point <laughs> you know why I guess we'll even stay do the it. same size no fine yeah might as well just carry on being human size <sighs> unfortunately okay. i think that's our best choice yeah. right so yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you for that yeah, wonderful stuck the warm-up question, warm up question. Yeah. that was way better than the one i had that was involved yeah that was involved i gotta i gotta step up my game on these warm-up questions holy moly it's a thinker. You're doing just fine. That's a thinker. That is a thinker. thinker. I know. I love your warm-up questions. So, Sometimes I'm like, this just warm-up question is an episode. Right? They well, just call it here. Yeah. And that's the problem. Take a day off. We get well, carried away sometimes. I do like the warm-up <laughs> questions, but yeah, they do cause a problem sometimes. Yeah. All right. Mm. Well, I think with that, we should get into our first seg, which mm. is little accomplishments. Yeah. Oh. And this will involve us singing at what will end up probably being different times because it's sound of the great. lag. I'm really yeah. confident about this. If anything, it's really funny for the listeners. Yeah, so. it's really funny. It's going to be great. We could attempt uh, you guys sing it and then I'll count to two and I'll just echo the fu- last line so I sound like a backup singer. Okay. Oh, that? yeah, let's do oh, it. that's cool. Okay. okay, yeah. So you sing it and I'll... Yeah. All right. I'll do a countdown for us. Okay. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. Big in our hearts, 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 hearts. hearts. Oh, oh, I like that. That was a With good effect. Echo? That's lovely. Pretty cool. Yeah. Hopefully, that's not too painful to edit. Oh, that's Christopher editing now. Yep. Yeah. My man, <laughs> legend. He'll be fine. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah, yeah. I love his episodes. I was just like, oh, uh, this guy knows what's <laughs> up with wild brains. Oh, yeah. He wants to talk to you. I yeah. think I was supposed to put you two in contact and I never yeah. did because you both had a lot of questions and responses to each yeah, other. Yeah. Get ready for some really long text messages and um, yeah, he'll yeah. chat you your Yeah, app. I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah. I'll, um, yeah. I'll give you his number. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have a lot to chat about. He has a lot to say. Not right now. On oh, the, no, no, no. Let me just shout out his number <laughs> yeah. so everybody can hear. Read it off. Yeah, five, five, five. Everybody get a pen. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one of Kristen, uh, my favorite Kristen <laughs> phrases. Get a pen. Everybody get um, a pen. Uh, no, I won't yeah. give out his number publicly. I don't know if he'd really like that. Um, he'd he probably might. make a friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure he'd Game of friends. Yeah. Yeah. But and uh, do you want me to start yeah. with a little accomplishment? Little accomplishment. Yeah, lead us off. I got a little plish. Um, I lost my prescription sunnies, which are a critical tool of mine, um, particularly for driving, mm. for about three weeks and I found them Woo-hoo! three days ago. Where nice. were they? And I turned the house upside down and uh my little um smurflings were devotedly helping me look for them for a very long time because we kept getting in the car and I was driving with my eyes all 
squished up and one of them was very concerned about our safety. <laughs> As they should. And, <laughs> yeah, they were simply in a different pocket in my mm. backpack, which I've never put them in before. Isn't that all And playful? never check. You're like, oh, this will be a great place to store these. And I'll remember. You, yeah, I'll remember. And then you never do. Oh, I think I couldn't reach my backpack properly at the time. I was doing an inspector gadget thing mm-hmm. through the back of my car. And so I just crammed it into the thing I felt. And then, you know, paid for that for <laughs> several weeks. Yeah. But I found them and it feels like a big win. Ooh, it feels like a yeah. really big win because I don't have time to go to the optometrist and get new ones yeah. and I don't have spares. You can't see well enough to get there anyway, so <laughs> it's probably good that you found them. You need to get those ones <laughs> have, that like flip down, they like clip on and you can flip them up and flip them down. No, you don't need to Sorry, get those. My grandfather had those. Exactly. They like- While I think that they would be dope to roll around with, I think that that's a whole other thing I could lose. Mm. Yeah, very true. I, I already tend to use um, – my glasses chains have been a, a game changer for me. Just being able to like drop the glasses oh. onto my chest instead of putting them down anyway. Game changer. Mm. Yeah. That's what I need. That is a great idea. Little chain. Yeah. They just, they get a bit tangly. I don't know, Grace, if uh, you'd find them too. They kind of ding against your cheeks sometimes. If you get them on chains. Mm. That um, you crochet the fabric ones are better. No. Ooh, yeah, new hobby. chain, new hobby alert. Yeah, I still think I'd be bothered yeah. by it. I mean, even just like having my hair down, I'm just like constantly touching it over and over and over. So I don't know if I can handle it, but I might try it out. That's exciting. Maybe I'll send you one. I really got onto buying um great glasses chains off Etsy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just know that there are going to be particularly mothers out there sitting at home just making things to sell mm-hmm. to make a bit of cash and relieve their creative juices that will be making way cooler glasses chains than I can buy from a chemist or anything. Oh, yeah. Um, and turns out my instincts were correct. Nice. There are many people making them. I got to look for these. I know. This is... I have to check that out. I, like, forgot that glasses chains existed. Like, you were, like I, I knew that they existed, but I forgot that they were a thing that we could buy. Yeah, you could just buy them. You could you just, just have them. It. You could just have them. Mm. And they're very satisfying to your inner um, 80-year-old woman. Yeah. Ooh. Like it's yeah. a – I'm bringing them back. Yeah. You're making them stylish again. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations. I'm proud of you for finding those glasses. And what an accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a little accomplishment? I do. I, well, we, me and Ian, we put up our Christmas tree, which I'm proud of because normally we wait like way too long and that's like you have it for a week and that sucks. So we put up our Christmas tree, hung our lights, hung all our decor. We have a traditional mitten Christmas tree topper that nice. we started doing years ago and now we that's our Christmas topper. So we have the traditional mitten atop the tree. And it's nice and cozy, and I'm psyched about it. Is it one mitten or is it a changing mitten? I'm finding it. Could you please use some rich descriptive language here? (laughs) It is a fabric knitted mitten, as if a child would wear it upon his hand. It's white and Mm. red striped with a white fuzzy Mm. cuff. I think we found it at Goodwill, you know, early on when we started to date. And we had no money, and we said, this will make do for a Christmas tree topper. And it kind of became a tradition, so now we use it every year, making it a thing. Nice. Maybe I'll post a picture. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it seems much safer to hang than um, stars. Every time I see someone 
place the star on top of the tree, all I can think is like that it's like a throwing star just destined to come. <laughs> yeah. Crack. Just jab an eye out on the way up. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. This cool. mitten would drift safely down atop your head. So yeah, that was my accomplishment. Yeah. Nice. Nice. We have a Christopher made us a what was supposed to look like a biblically accurate angel for the top of our tree. So it's like one of those balls with all the googly eyes and everything. Um, and it's, um, he kind of ran out of white feathers, red feathers in there. And, you know, and half the eyes came off and it's really just like, um, I'm sorry, Christopher, it's beautifully awful. And, uh, it's, Monstrous maybe. It's, yeah. It's tr- truly almost terrific. One would describe it. I'll, yeah. I'll post that Please. on too. So that's what we have on our Christmas tree. The words biblically accurate, yeah. So make it so much harder for me to imagine what this angel. You got to look like. it up. Apparently, biblically accurate angels are like balls with a bunch of eyes and feathers everywhere. They look horrifying, and all these okay. like cute people on Etsy were like, "Let's make biblically accurate angels," and they're like cute and you know fuzzy. And then Christopher's like, "Let me give this a go." And um, of course, his is horrifying. His is kind of. In the in the man after my own heart. I'll post a picture. It's pretty funny. Um, it's also our cat. Can you please post a picture? Yeah, it's our cat's it's so new favorite toy because we haven't put it up yet because we're having um our cats keep attacking our tree. So I haven't put any work up yet. <laughs> um, it's been a struggle, but um, once it's up there, I'll put a picture of it. Yeah, please. How does your cat with no claws attack things? Oh, it's the other ones if- with the claws. She kind of just will like nub you. Wait, how many cats do you have? I have now? Three. Too many. Yeah, it's it's probably way okay. too many. Um, we have so we have Snickers with no claws, and she'll she'll just kind of like nub you. Um, and then oh, yeah. and she came with. Oh, uh, we call that papping in this oh, house. Yeah. It's a pap. pap. Yeah. Yeah. The other ones will actually like. Yeah. The, the middle child. Uh, he's a he's a sweet sweet boy and. Um, just wants cuddles and we love him. And then the youngest one is, um, I love him. Um, but he is, uh, a terror. He is a menace. Yeah. He is a, he's a terror to the household and will not stop attacking the Christmas tree or any of the ornaments. And so we, all of our ornaments are fuzzy or they're bells. That's on you. Well, we can tell. When we I, I was just gonna say, it feels like you've walked right into it. How old is your your terror cat? He is like one. So. Oh, okay. So he's full in velociraptor oh, yeah, yeah, phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and he'll, he'll come, come out of it. He's gonna be a very cuddly cat in like two years. We just have to like get through this phase, mm. and yeah. But he's pretty much holding up the entire household by, uh, at hostage right now with the. Um, Oh yes, through behavior. I'm familiar with the technique. He's, uh, he's yeah, controlling a household through behavior. Pretty much. I did teach yes. him to sit the other day, though. He's very food focused, which is great. I just, but now he knows where the treats are, so he can open the cabinets. So that's not great. So no. we're, we'll get there. This, I'm. I think that's the first story I've ever heard someone tell about a pet. That actually compares to human babies. Uh, because my I feel really rude because anytime someone's like talks about their dog, like or cat, like oh, and he sleeps through the night and stuff. I go, uh, <coughs> <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I'm very happy for you. Yeah, my <laughs> that he's a sleeper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, getting into the cabinets. Yeah, that's a real. There's nothing more terrifying than when your baby works out how to stack furniture to then reach things in the higher shelves, which can sometimes happen before they learn how to walk. It's if you've right. got that is terrifying. Smurfings. And then you got a nephew knife yeah. fight on your hands. Yeah, there you Next go. Thing you, you know, know. classic yeah. nephew knife fight. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. all over from there. Yep. Uh, we learned that one the hard way. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kristen. Yeah. What did you accomplish? I I did a big thing. So no, it's, stop it's, apologizing. It's, Don't you dare. No apologies okay. here. Thank um, you. every two years I have to get for my medical license. I have to get like a hundred credits of uh, continuous learning education, and every two years I save it for the last minute. Uh, because that's just kind of the way I roll, and yep. I just finished all my education. So I would say I'm ahead of schedule because it's not the end of the year yet. They're due at the end of the year. So. You are. You're so, way ahead of schedule. I know. I, I was telling my coworker this. I was like, yeah, I'm actually ahead of schedule. And they're like, I had mine done months ago. And I was like, well, that's you. Our Come versions on. of ahead of schedule yeah, are not ahead the of same. Schedule. Yeah. yeah. Classic gnome behavior. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, just be happy for me that I can still legally be employed right now. So. If I did it the day before, I would consider yeah. that ahead of schedule. Right. Right. I even know. Mm. They were like. Feeling like that's out. a oh. big push. Yeah. That's a big push. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, a massive that's push. A, Congratulations. Yeah, I'm happy I'm very, for you. Yeah. Such a weight yeah. off my shoulders. Because, um, of course, it's the end of the year, so you're, like, struggling. You know, you've got, like, planning for holidays and all that stuff. And then you're, like, here's, like, a really big thing on top of everything. So Good job. Yeah. Yay. Yay. All um, right. Well, now, finally. Now we got to get into it. Get ready. Enya, we're getting into it. Yeah. Because we want to hear about your ADHD journey. Whether you want to tell us or not, you're going to. So... Well, yeah. I don't want to start you off with a super vague question. Like, what's your deal? Yeah, like, what's your deal? What's your deal? But. Oh, no. Actually, that kind of open-ended question I can respond can, to. Okay. But I've uh, interrupted you again. Grace, please finish. Um, without further ado, what's your deal? Yeah. What's your deal? Okay. Um, my deal is. Uh, cue the mouth agape. Um <laughs> My name is Enya Chitty. I'm a self-declared mega fan of Grace and Kristen's Weirds of a Feather podcast, who has been relentlessly sending them whack ADHD stories for a while now. And I'm lucky enough, I think, to call them friends. Even in light of the fact that I tried to post Grace and Echidna Skull a little while back, but customs intervened, they still take me, and for that I'm grateful. I'm stoked to have been invited on as a guest, but have been dealing with a mighty, mighty thunderstorm, which has led to blackouts and technical issues, and subsequently, this little intro. I live on Kangaroo Island in South Australia, where I study from home while I care for my two brilliant children. I love surfing, building and repairing things from scrap materials, lived off-grid for many years until recently, and I'm helplessly addicted to stand-up comedy. I was diagnosed with ADHD in my early 30s, which was no surprise to anyone close to me as it turns out. And receiving treatment for my ADHD and learning to understand my brain has given me a comfort and grace 
beyond my expectations. I've just finished my honours thesis in hydrodynamic thresholds for seagrass restoration and will expand that research through a PhD beginning in early 2024. I'm deeply enamoured with my research because seagrass is a big hitter when it comes to climate change adaptation strategies. Did you know it captures twice as much carbon as a tropical rainforest but does it 35 times faster? It's very cool stuff and if you ask me about it, I'll info dump the crap out of it. So thanks so much Grace and Kristen for having me. You guys kick some serious ass, and I will never, ever, ever stop listening, my sisters. Anyway. I suppose I, I sort of knew from a point in high school that ADHD made sense for me. I remember hearing the description. And I had a friend who I thought at the time had ADHD, but I reconnected with him recently. He was like, I don't have ADHD. So somehow he just had his hands on ADHD medication. I don't know. He was a skater. Mm, uh, makes sense. Quite Checks out. <laughs> not always showing up to school like me. Um, and he lived in a house across the road from the school. So it was a perfect um, hangout for wagging. I don't know if what the word is in America, wagging, skipping school. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, cutting, cutting class. Yeah, ditching. Ditching, yeah. cutting, yeah. We call it wagon. I like um, So we would just like sneak across the road to his house um, to do naughty teenager things like smoke cigarettes. Ooh, and he, trouble. one afternoon, I know, <laughs> one afternoon he gave everyone these ADHD pills, like the, um, whatever, what's the fast release one? Dexamphetamines. We call them Dexies. Um, and I was convinced that this beep, 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 um, (laughs) had stitched me up and given me a sugar pill as a joke because I was like, well, this has done nothing. And just like sat on the couch and watched everyone else have fun. This makes me want to go yeah. back to and school. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to learn things. Yeah, yeah. just really want to pay attention all of a sudden. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I just like listened to everyone else for once instead of like um, dominating mm. the dynamic through um, verbal diarrhea. So there was that, and then um, yes, I had two little smurflings of my own at the fresh age of 21, which I don't feel is super young, but is younger than average in Australia. Mm. And um, they were just full of beans from the word go. Yes. Their, their names were colloquially Hurricane Smurf and Cyclone Smurf. <laughs> and weather. I remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> energetic weather. Um. Um, <laughs> I remember feeling upset often when in the preschool years that other um, parents were saying things like, oh, don't you just love them when they're this age and the years go so fast and, um, you know, cherish every moment because you'll never get it back. And I just felt like um, I was that. Have you ever seen that meme and it's captioned, how's it going? And it's just a photo of two arms coming out of quicksand with the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that was 
seven years straight of my life <laughs> where I'm like, oh, good, nothing to see here. Yes, I feel the same as you. I'm not perpetually overwhelmed and terrified. And the other thing that really got me was that other parents seem to be able to not supervise their children at all times. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand why. Like I would be at a friend's house and I'd be like, oh, like where's little gnome? And that friend would say, oh, like she's just out the back playing. And I was like, and you don't have to have eyes on her at all. And she's like, yeah, what's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I can already hear the police sirens. Like, how is not? <laughs> so like, I'm panicking for their children who don't need, because my children would immediately be on the roof or they will find, you know, the nephew knife fight. I was at a party <laughs> once and we had to leave early because um, a little smurfling had found a knife and was just running around hysterically laughing, yeah. not threatening anyone, but just, just having fun. knives are exciting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah, after, once they were in, uh, my little Smurflings were in kindergarten and school and, um, just relentless phone calls and feedback from educators and caregivers that something was a little bit, um, more swively with them than other kids. Mm. I kind of worked it out, took them to a general practitioner who looked at me like I was crazy and said that they were too young and um, sent me on my way. So that sent me back three or four years. Bouncing. <laughs> Bouncing deep. And then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Move along. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a struggle, but it's really tricky because you, lo- well, for me, I love my little smurfs for everything they are like they're phenomenal smurflings in every way they're so funny they're so clever they're so full of joy when they're happy and um you know you raise them to be critical thinkers and to see things from lots of different perspectives and then those aspects of a person that I really cherish um can get them in a lot of trouble at school and then so then you're sort of like, well, this is my fault and then how do I help you? And then you feel horrible sending them to this place every day that they just, you know, ultimately can end up hating if things get really bad. Mm. Eventually worked it out and was like, no, I'm right. This explains everything. And then got onto a um, little pamphlet that was like, what does ADHD look like in women? And it was like eight dot points and it was like, Bing, 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 <laughs> bing. And I went, uh oh. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I cried for about six hours. And then uh forgot about it for about a year. Of course you yeah. did. And then this so <laughs> <laughs> life changing realization. Yeah, yeah. Then on to um, the Yeah. And we're moving on. And then yeah, down the track. Um just got to a few points I was just having episodic burnout about every six weeks and was just like I just really need help and oh maybe it's that ADHD thing and and um there was still a bit of umming and ahhing about whether to get a diagnosis for the children at that point because it felt a bit young and still felt like this could be within regular variability of development and everything so and I'll just go and get myself sorted first got onto an amazing psychiatrist who is um a professor 
and who only um, diagnoses because he's very um, passionate about barriers to people getting a diagnosis. So any di- he only treats um, rural patients mm. online and uh, for adult ADHD and gender affirming therapy, I think are the only mm. two he does. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he clocked it straight away, did the little quiz, smashed that, 110%. Oh, yeah, not yeah. And uh, <laughs> which was an interesting process actually because I thought of myself as um, getting quite good grades in school, but to get a diagnosis in Australia, you have to produce your entire school record. Mm-hmm. So you have to apply to the state who has a, have a record of it. Um, and I was looking through and I was like, damn, I did not have good grades at all. I think I was just getting like verbal feedback that I was intelligent but not necessarily doing anything with mm. it. And it was very variable. So I'm like in some topics I would get A plus plus or whatever. In other topics I would, I mean, I always passed. I didn't want to have to show a non-pass mm. report to Mama and Papa Smurf. But <laughs> um yeah, it was just one of these like, oh, that is not how I remember things at all. It's interesting. But, yeah, it's what happened. Yeah, I think I, I was just a typical one for racing through the work in five minutes and then having the rest of the class on my hands. And then um, I don't know if it's gendered or if it's environmental or whatever, but I compensated for, for that by becoming like uh, a massive teacher's helper. Mm-hmm. So I was always like, you got errands, you got you need something cleaned. I don't care if I'm just like sorting out the school drawers but I knew that if I was just sitting there at my desk I was either going to get in trouble for talking or get given more work Mm. which felt like a punishment for doing the work and then those would lead me down the path of getting put at the front of the class and and blah 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 so I was just a big I just volunteered for everything and took on every role that I could so I could be like out of my seat out of the classroom as much as possible not that I was aware of it at the time at the time I was just doing my thing. That's a good strategy, yeah, though, to keep is. yourself out of trouble because I did not do that and I would just talk and get in trouble. Yeah, so. you got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, probably should have done that. I, st- I still got in lots of trouble, but I think I had most teachers on side pretty early. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think those when I was looking at those grades, I was like, oh, these are pretty well correlated with, like, how much I liked the teacher <laughs> yep. yeah. at the time. Yep, that was my exact experience, too. If I did not like yeah. I wasn't gonna put in effort right. if I didn't feel like they respected me. Yeah, or if um the thing that really got me offside was I'm from a really large family and in some schools uh older Smurfs had come before me and built certain reputations. And then so I would meet a teacher for the first time and they'd go, Oh, you're a chitty. Right, you sit over here and you just be like oh, Fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, it's on. I'll like, show you. I will yeah. make sure to keep up the uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will I will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right here, right now. They asked And for prove it. you right. Yeah. You showed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By making my own life harder. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing about getting an ADHD diagnosis is I really thought that I was in control of my own destiny my whole life, making my own choices, like rebel with a cause and all of that. And then you get the diagnosis and then you start to hear stories from other people and um, the stereotypes and everything. And then 
you're just like, whoa, I was not making my own decisions at all. I've just been a slave to this condition. Mm. Um, so there's a bit of an identity stripping there, I think, when you're coming to terms with it. Mm, absolutely. I thought it was really interesting that you said specifically it was like you were felt like you were like a slave to the condition. And I was hoping maybe you could just like elaborate on that. Like, is there we always talk about how we, I mean, our whole podcast is based on how it's like absolutely debilitating. But are there things um, more specific you can elaborate on that are more debilitating or or strugglesome, which is not a word. Strugglesome. Strugglesome. Should be a word. It, sh- it sounds like it almost could be. Um, it's a Christianism. It's a- <laughs> no, I think that's a valid word. Make it, I think um, I'll write a letter to the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm still waiting for you to do to make the little book of Christianisms. We should. Oh, because yeah. I think you forget because maybe you I, don't listen yeah. back on your episodes. No. Well, it's, I um, until you remind me and I'm like, that that was Grace that said that. And then I'll listen back and I'm like, oh, no, I, that was my. If it's a weird saying, it's probably it's, you. Uh, but for some reason in my head, I, I think that it's always you. No, it's you. But. Yeah. But yeah, struggles. Um, what is the most strugglesome parts that you feel like with your your specific brand of ADHD? Yeah. Or how was it like leading your yeah. life more than you realize, like the impulsivity aspect of it? I think really the um, the what is recorded as opposition, mm. which I I, I don't know. uh, how controversial this might be to say, but I'm not totally sold on oppositional defiance disorder being a real thing. Same. I think it's probably Um, often. Yeah. I'm not even sure if I'm convinced PDA is a real thing. I wonder how much it's, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not a professional in this area. Well, I think it's more, um, what I I do it's more see, a nervous uh, system reaction than like a cognitive decision to go against the grain or not do what you're told. It's like your nervous system is having this reaction. And I think we talk about it as, a, yeah. as like, yeah, just defiance or opposition for the sake of being oppositional. And I think it's way more complex than we pretend like it is. It is. And I think that, I don't know, I think there's a lot of crappy parenting advice out there mm. in mm. this you know, really wonderful attempt to overcorrect for our, our ignorance and lack of respect for diversity in the past. But I think that the how these traits are responded to and the, that environmental feedback, I think it's really easy to then call something a condition when, when it's like my hunch is that a lot of those behaviours would change if the, the people in the environments around those people were modified Mm. um but again i just i'm not a medical professional and i really don't want any to deny anyone's um reality or what they're living and experiencing that's that's not where i'm coming from at all it's just something that i still have there and i'm like i still haven't been sold on it but um yeah, I really, I don't have to level. I think we talked about cool in our was it the sensory episode? How we talked about, uh, I think we ended up shouting about it. <laughs> sure, we yeah. did. We talked about specifically <laughs> with um, oppositional defiance order. There was a study done that showed that their their symptoms or their traits of op- oppositional defiance disorder improved when you 
stop demanding things of them? Well, when you, when you met their sensory needs, mm. I believe it, uh, it's either that or it's exercise. And I can't remember. But basically, it's like when you meet their needs, they they're these like, I guess, bothersome to you traits. Mm are less. Wow. And you're like, wow, I can't believe groundbreaking yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> groundbreaking stuff. When you meet some basic needs, um, they improve. Yeah, I just think <laughs> the environment that we're all in is so unnatural, and especially mm-hmm. for ADHDers and autistic people. It's like just so the structure that we've created of society is so unnatural and so difficult for so many people that, yeah, if, is it a disorder or is it just a response to this highly structured environment right. that doesn't work for a lot right. of people which <laughs> mm. yeah and sometimes I'll feel that I, I if I'm struggling with a conversation just changing that environment just having that conversation outside mm. can help a lot or just changing the angle at which I'm speaking with someone can really help to like let thoughts flow a big one for closing my eyes when I'm trying to um construct the sentence mm, me too of the thing the way I want to communicate just because I need to write it out in my head. I think I'm a very visual ADHD. Can you highly verbalize? Definitely have the uh, what's the thing where the sound the words go in auditory process and then you can't that one. Bingo yep. five points for Grace. <laughs> uh definitely have that one. Mm. When it comes to if someone's describing, uh, you know, just instructions, if if I'm not regulated at the time or whatever, but um, a description of something that I haven't seen before, I need to really close my eyes and take that extra time to build that picture in my mind to understand what someone's trying mm-hmm. to say to me. Mm-hmm. Where I struggle heaps is when people try and give instructions, but they don't use <laughs> like labels for the tools or whatever's involved. And they're like, oh, you just you get the thing and and then it goes over there like this and I'm just sitting there going, I've got no idea what you're talking about and you're going to have to show me exactly how it's done because these words are just like, it's like you're speaking French. Mm. Um, I can visualise. I think I'm highly dependent on visualisation. Mm. I'll often be test running possible future outcomes of a task or something in my mind while I'm doing the thing Hmm. Um, but also music helps so with the processing issues if someone can sing it to me I'm sweet Hmm. really but it's that yeah yeah if it comes Hmm. across I remember there was an episode you were talking about if you hear a cover of a song you still can only sing along with the original melody is that you I think Christopher and I I have kind of Oh, maybe it was a Christopher episode. I have kind of the opposite where every time I hear a cover of a song, I get really excited because it's like a new hmm. flavor hmm. of something that I know and love. And I love hearing the different interpretations and expressions of because every song is a story. I wonder if um, that's like ADHD versus ADHD where you're psyched to have a new version of this thing where I'm like, no, it has to be exactly this. Be I want same. it to be the same every <laughs> single time. This is what my brain knows. That's what it has to be. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I never get bored of, you know, there are some samples from classic songs that were written in the 50s, 60s, 70s that get used again and again and again, and people don't realize they're listening to it, but I can't not hear Mm. it. 
even if it's just a grab, like a lot of those um, really cool producers from the 90s and early 2000s, they used heaps of sampling mm. in songs like um, Beastie Boys were big for one and um, Fat Boy Slim did it a lot. And I can hear the original song, but I'm so thrilled to hear the new version. Yeah. But then it was one of those things I didn't realise other people weren't picking up on. You know, sometimes it's like they'll they'll take three grabs from a song and beat them together in a round, um, stitch them together in a round to make a new song, but I can still hear the original song as well. Huh. Do you have that? But yes, I pick up on them, but then I have to go listen to the original right. because I notice the, yeah, I hear the pattern, but then I'm annoyed and I have to go listen to the original now. So like almost like it feels what I imagine OCD can feel like to people in a certain way where it's like, I can't stop my brain, like has to have the satisfaction like to like level back out. To do it. Yes. I have to hear it and I can't mm-hmm. move on until I do. Do you find like, yeah. Cause you've, you've smelt the frying um, bacon and your stomach's rumbling. Yeah. <laughs> what now you're just going to not eat the bacon sandwich. That would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so not. you have like this like highly visual brain. Do you feel like in, cause I know you just turned in your thesis, which is huge. Do you feel like in like developing your thesis or, um, even in your day-to-day life, do you think that your visual brain hinders or helps you on most days? Or do you like not notice because it's the brain you've been given and you've always had this brain? That's a big question. You mean like like how Christopher could get uh, stuck, like carried away with the visual I stuff where it's like he, too much? Yeah, like almost too much um, where he can kind of like, I don't know, f- float away with the visual <laughs> visuals. Mm. But then also it makes him a more creative thinker when it comes to problem solving because he can see how things are going to come out in his head. So I think with him, it can hinder him in some ways, but very helpful in other ways. Hmm. Um, I can't think of a scenario where it's hinded me, to be honest. It sounds like... I guess... Like, I wish. Yeah, sounds like a good strength. It sounds like it would be great. Yeah. I can see how it's impacted me. I've so in so part of probably what I should have um, said earlier was I come from a very uh, large family of Smurfs who and by Smurfs we were raised, neurodivergent people, right? I do. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I should have. Did we clarify that earlier? I don't know if we were recording or know. not, or well, I don't Let's know. We've talked about a Let's lot. Clarified now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mama and Papa Smurf, very alternative. So you're raised in this culture, a home culture, where diversity is, like, accepted and celebrated, but you don't even – it's not even intentional because you couldn't – I'm one of five children and you couldn't get five more different Mm. people, truly. Like, it just goes to show that you're born who you are and environment maybe impacts at maybe 20 30% tops. Mm. But there was, um, you know, we were raised like vegetarian. We were raised um, in the Mormon faith, which um, Mama and Papa Smurf were both very, um, I think, understanding when each of us um, parted with that faith at a young age. And they are like the stereotypical 70s hippie babies. They lived in a combi van. They they like to party and as such we all like to party. And then so part of that, you know, you think you're making your own decisions but the ADHD 
D was ultimately probably controlling that was that I dropped out of high school um, in my final year. I think you guys have different names for it. We just call it year 12. Yeah, senior year, same. Yeah. At the time, I thought it was a decision I was making because it's um, higher education is very expensive in Australia and um, ultimately it's really difficult to afford higher education if you aren't able to live with your parents. I grew up in a house with a policy where you move out when you're 18. Mm. So in my head, I was like, well, higher education is not an option for me right now. So what am I doing here? So I went and got a secret job and was like putting on my school uniform every morning, (laughs) (laughs) driving driving one of my Smurfs to school, um, showing up to get signed off on the roll and then getting changed into a work uniform and going and working and then like coming up to pick up. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't finish year 12. And then uh, that also coincided with, I worked in uh, community radio from when I was about the age of 15. So once I had radio and I decided that, you know, probably higher education wasn't an option, I just wanted to make money and have fun and have um, financial security yeah, I just, I ran a mark and then it, and then after I had Smurflings, no one would hire me anymore, even mm. though I had a really good um, former career in um, home loan settlements and baking and um, radio and um, all sorts of, I guess, like higher level admin jobs, no one would hire me anymore. And I was like, well, this is the pits. Mm. I'll go back and get that education now. So I sat, there's there's lots of different pathways into higher education in Australia though for adult entry students. And so you can either sit a test or you can do like a short course which picks up where you would have ended up in year 12, oh. um, just teaching you like referencing and, and um, the research process and everything. I was really surprised to, I got, um, again, I think your scores are some sort of system where you can get anywhere from zero to like 3,000 or something SAT scores. Is that it? Oh, yeah, we do have the SATs. America. I think we're back to 1,600 is the highest. I don't. I thought for us it was like 2,300. For us it was, and then they went back to the other system for some reason. I mean, it just seems like such an arbitrary number. It's nothing. Anyway. Um, So in Australia it's just zero to 100. And I was very lucky to have gotten a, I don't really know how I pulled it off, but a 97.5. Nice. Yeah, oh, that's what I was like. I think they mixed my scores up, <laughs> um, but they hadn't. And then so I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm not dumb. And then that grade meant that I could get automatic entry into like any course across the country wow. in wow. any university. That's that's awesome. That's incredible. Um, yeah. I was like, I don't know how I pulled this off. And then, um, <laughs> yeah. And then so chose coastal science because I was like, well, how do I get a job that ensures that I will probably eventually get paid to travel the world's beaches? That was the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, did that. And then a lot of, Coastal, so coastal is in earth system science. Earth system science uses heaps of mapping and heaps of three and four dimensional modeling. So I kind of accidentally 
but it's also awesome have ended up in a a field where you need to be highly visual and you're using perfect for you yeah and also that it's this great field where you're either out measuring and observing real phenomena um usually on the beach or on a boat which is fun <laughs> or you're at home at your computer and you're modeling it and you're you're trying to um recreate as close a representation of those true processes as you can um not just visually but we use sort of yeah three and four dimensional mappings so we'll have it'll be a 3d model and then you'll stack it through time so looking at time series looking oh. because it's all based on processes there's never that Mm, I guess like in if you were in the biology field, for example, you would have a specimen that is there and it's labelled and uh, it's in your glass case or whatever and that's that, that representative sample of the thing you study. But in Earth system stuff, you there's no such thing as like a that photo sample specimen. Everything is a process that's interrelated. It's all feedback loops that ne- – are always changing it's really dynamic so you really need to be able to think in this yeah in this four-dimensional space at all times when you're describing something it's always within the context of that it's not fixed Mm. and all of the different forces that uh come together to to impact those processes you can't take one or two things out of the system and then and test them the way a lot of traditional science operates because you remove it from the system and then you lose all the complexities of nature. That sounds complicated. That does sound Jeez. complicated. You got quite the brain. I'm going to need a drawing. <laughs> it is not as complicated as it sounds. It's a lot of fluff. As a you. lot of science is. Yes. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of long so words. someone who got a 97 um, out of 100 on their giant exam. Yeah, I feel like it was a – like I feel like the standards were low. Like they wanted to get – I feel like that's like – Adult entry students in. Yeah, that's imposter phenomenon. You're smart – a smart cookie is my Say aunt. Say it. I'm a smart cookie. Smart cookie. Smart cookie. That's my aunt calls us smart cookies. Yes. Smart cookie. <laughs> I cannot do the accent properly. I forgot to request at the beginning that if I told any stories that horrified you, Kristen, can you please reprimand me in your mind? You got voice? it. You got <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> you. Not never. Not never. So please. <laughs> <laughs> do you know we had it written? On the microwave, on a sticker, <laughs> not never. <laughs> oh my god! I haven't even told my smirk. mom that I interview. I I imitate her. I don't know if she would find that really flattering. It's very accurate. It's, You're it's, not. It's not really an exaggeration. No, she it's is pretty accurate. She is a character. But it's not like you're imitating her in the style of uh, like the nanny, like, you no, know, Franja no, Tresh's no, mom. She's, uh, she was a great mom and she still is. And she's uh, she's just it's a character. She's a character. She's a fierce mother. Yeah. I'm already in love with her. She's, she's, she's great. great. I quickly, sorry, I just realized I didn't even answer your question. So my... <laughs> I'll, I promise I'll make this quick because I keep tangenting. Oh, no, it's okay. This is why text is better for me yeah. and Grace because I can't be bothered okay. writing too much so I like condense it. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest struggles are my working memory is absolute dog balls <laughs> and the way I describe it to other people is, you know that sensation when you walk into a room and you can't remember what you went in there for? That's 
my life all day, every day. Mm. And that was one of those things that helped me understand that it was ADHD because I thought everyone was having that experience a hundred times a day as well. And then finding out that that was happening once a month was a game changer. And didn't you say um, it, it made you kind of worried that you had like early onset dementia or something before you realized it was ADHD? Yeah, I was pretty worried. I really related to Jamie's episode where she was talking about just being like, what is yeah. going on? Mm. Because so long as I was uh, just working or, or just parenting or um, just doing a project, I was I was fine and, and functioned pretty well. But as I got older and my my family got older and life got more complex and then hormones, like I don't know what they did when I was 29, but um, that just all went blah. And then once I started studying, I wasn't able to – I've always managed to have really active, physically active jobs by accident, um, which another one of those ADHD was probably making the call there and I didn't realise. Mm. Once I was trying to sit down in front of a computer – so much all day every day studying those ADHD traits really started to surface and I was was struggling a lot so I had you know after I got the diagnosis I was recommended OT sorry OT and the first appointment was like a quiz on my struggles the second appointment was practical strategies and we went through and everything that this OT suggested I was already doing and I had managed to develop general strategies for everything without realizing there were yeah. strategies what like already give an example yeah so um tracking my hormones oh. because I knew that I couldn't think in the from five days before getting my moon bloods <laughs> which I called the brain splash <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um knowing that the day before and the day of moon, my moon blood arriving that I wouldn't be able to think, like quite profoundly. Mm. Like yeah. I could perform basic tasks, mm. but like I love I love puzzles um, in any shape or form, but if you put a puzzle in front of me on that day, I can't even like register what I'm seeing. It's really profound. Mm. And then I also knew that, you know, during that middle time of the month when I was ovulating, I just seemed to be able to kick all these goals. And so not realizing, I guess, at that point that that was enhanced by ADHD, I was already trying to plan important things for that middle section. I wouldn't have any important conversations with loved ones or anything um, between the brain splash and the moon blood. And yeah, during peak ovulation was when I was trying to plan like um, any big meetings I had and that sort of thing. Mm. So yeah, strategies. Great, like, well, because Grace, you've kind of talked about that a little bit. Mm, I yeah, think, with my PMDD, right, and endometriosis, just me kind of, or we just talk about like one oh, of like a tough. huge disadvantage to being a a woman in a man's world is that you were on a like a 28 day cycle whereas you know the men if you're someone who menstruates if you're someone who menstruates you're on a 28 day cycle whereas if you're someone who doesn't menstruate you're on a 24 hour cycle but the world is fixed to be on a 24 hour cycle so how you know we're just set up for failure yeah essentially yeah it's tricky right i i think that there is always as much good as there is bad in these differences mm. because 
um, like I re- I listened to uh, a podcast by a neuro a neurologist recently, and that she was talking about how women's brains like literally are better. Yeah. They, um, oh, that's a cheeky smile. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> the, the parts of the brain that um, are responsible for problem solving, long term memory, empathy. Um, and planning and everything are bigger in the female brain, but then the catch is that hormones really profoundly perfect our, uh, affect our brains. Mm-hmm. So during that ovulation period, like so men's bain- brains are functioning at the same consistent level, mm-hmm. more or less. I mean, they do have that daily cycle and men's brains legitimately crash at about four o'clock every afternoon Mm. and that can be a really wonderful thing to know about your loved ones right Mm. like don't come at them at 4 p.m like let them get through that that dip and they'll be receptive by 6 p.m this is a simple way to accommodate anyone smurf or no Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) but with women we've got this like this sort of 10 days of the month where we're functioning at like I can't remember what it was but it's something like 150 percent of the capacity of a male brain but then we also have this like 10 days of the month where we are operating at 70 percent capacity or less because those hormones yeah hormones are impacting our brains that much so our brains are better but only like a quarter of the time so if you can hack it yeah you (laughs) can make it work for you but if you don't know what's going on yeah you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants feeling shitty some weeks i need to track my moon blood better Same. i feel like it's so inconsistent that i just am flying by the seat of my pants all the time but yeah i should learn how to work yeah i can't thing. imagine the curveball that endometriosis just throws into everything in my head that is like uh you ever had someone stick a, a, a stick into the spokes of your bike mm. oh yeah yep and it gets jammed. That's how fly over the that handlebars. feels in my brain when you describe that's it. That's exactly it how it so feels. Brutal. Especially because when I ovulate, I'm like, things. I must have cured myself somehow. You got it. This is yeah, how it. I'm going to feel forever <laughs> now. I'm feeling good. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. And the crash comes a few days later. I'm like, what? Who could have foreseen this? Bum, bum. Yeah. Bum. And maybe one day I'll yeah. learn. That's how I feel when I have like a really good, like a really good productivity day or good dopamine day and Mm. I'm like I'm on it I'm I've beaten my ADHD this is gonna be me for the rest of my life I'm gonna be a productive Mary and then the next day I'm like I'm gonna sleep forever yep yeah because your brain think tricks itself in that moment and it's just like this is totally sustainable like I've got it yeah I've hacked the system at last I took the red pill like we're in (laughs) yeah it's now uh, and not now where whenever we have an emotion of positive or negative it's like this is how I'm gonna feel for the rest of my life yeah I'm pretty I'm really big on the when I know I'm feeling bad acknowledging that those emotions are real but and enhanced because of my Um, nervous system or hormones or whatever at the time but I'm really big for like turn off the phone Mm -hmm. do not contact that person or whatever has triggered it and sleep on it for 24 hours I sleep on it if it's been 24 hours and I'm still that pissed then I'll take action but never in the moment Mm -hmm. it's a really reasonable reasonable and restrained response yes and 95% of the time the next day you're just like 
pretty wild that I was upset about that. <laughs> that was nuts. Can <laughs> you believe that? I really could not care less. Yeah. There you go. But then 5% of the time it is genuine. And then, but you're able to like give yourself the mm-hmm. space to think through instead of like going on the offensive and going off at someone or damaging a relationship or, um, you know, increasing your my feelings, kind of just distilling it down to like what was the issue and, you know, can you please or, or whatever it is, putting in a, stru- a, a structure to make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah. All right. As we're winding this first part of your interview down, we really want to hear about your best ADHD strengths because I think that's important. I think it's good to end on a good note. Yeah. Hmm. I had I didn't anticipate this. Who could have foreseen this? <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No. Just checking the files. Um, well, I think I find it I can talk to anyone mm. about anything. I find it really easy to meet new people and find something in common. I find I'm a very good interviewer mm. of people. And um, I, when my brain is on, I have a quick wit, which I really enjoy. Um, I stay with puzzles for a lot longer than other people, which I think is a strength. I'll get there slower, but I'll always get there and often with a better answer. Mm than others I suppose um and I would be interested to know if other ADHDs share this actually I am really not afraid of public speaking or crowds at all in a way the larger the crowd the more comfortable I feel because the less real the situation feels Mm. does that make sense like I'm I'm least comfortable presenting to a room with 12 to 15 people in it because there's just enough eyes on me that my brain goes into presentation mode but there's enough space and enough engagement that those people can I can read their responses to what's happening and they can ask questions Mm -hmm. whereas once you sort of get to the the crowd size it's like that crowd is now uh just non-people with eyes and you're doing your thing and it's interesting with radio it's very similar to this I was very comfortable presenting on radio. I, I think I was more or less the youngest person in the state, maybe the country as far as I know, to have my own radio show. I, my mum had to come and sit with me for the first year. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> because I wasn't – yeah, because I wasn't old enough to legally be in the studio by myself. Oh, my God. So she's – yeah, she's dope. She did that. Um, and – but because there was no, there were no faces. You forget that you're presenting to many thousands of people, yep. right? And so you just do your thing. That's why we say so many embarrassing things. We yeah, forget people I know, will be listening people until <laughs> yeah. they yeah. But, mention it. but that's the beauty of yeah. it because it's so intimate. If you think about that, you're deeper in people's homes and their lives and their realities than even some of their closest friends get, you know, if someone's listening to your voice while they're falling asleep or on a really hard day to cheer them up, maybe they're driving to a job interview and they're freaking out and your voices bring them comfort. It's actually really intimate and really powerful. And I think the fact that you forget 
that that many people are listening is what gives the podcast its flavor, right? Because you're just listening to your mates. I'm sure lots of other listeners of your podcast would agree with that sentiment. Whereas like, I feel like you guys are my buddies, but you really, (laughs) Chris, yeah, like you, you really know nothing about me, but I think you know my stories because I know your stories, but you don't. But in my head, that connection is reciprocal. And I can't be the only person who's had that experience. (laughs) I think people who've come, because I've had this more, I have a lot of coworkers or people at work who listen and then they, they'll ask me a question about like the the big one that happened was like when I share that pizza secret about my cat um, eating all that meat and then us feeding the meat to the people at the funeral <laughs> at the funeral <laughs> they're like you didn't really do that right that was just a bit and I was like totally no I really did it yeah no and and then I publicly I shared it to god knows how many people and I keep forgetting I forgot about I I keep forgetting that I shared that story so I get why people don't want me to bring anything to a party yeah it is kind of fun though that people will bring up things that we talk about what should I bring yeah just yourself honey just (laughs) yourself you are the gift (laughs) maybe napkins but that's all (laughs) (laughs) they're not wrong I mean I I get it it's valid yeah I forgot about yeah but when we're recording it's just Grace and I and we're just the uh shooting the shit being stupid yeah (laughs) Yeah. which yeah I agree I do think it's good because you know we go into that masking mode I feel like especially yeah I'm not super comfortable speaking in front of people it's funny that we started a podcast yeah but yeah if I had to be up talking in front of people I think I'd be a lot more self-conscious and thinking a lot more I just saw someone on TikTok talking about how movies and everything especially these days are so bad because they're being made for what a group of probably men at a board table like think the audience will want as Mm -hmm. opposed to movies made in the past that were made for the artists like they were made because it's what something that they enjoy they made it for themselves and then other people fell in love with it and i do think that is an important distinction that we're not making this obviously to like get huge viewership or you know get certain ratings or have people think of us a certain way yeah we're just having fun in a room (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the beauty of it you guys have you got two strong female leads oh yeah you are unconventional honestly i was quickly trying to scroll through some of our conversations grace Mm. Because I'm like, oh, all my gold will be here. And I was just like, okay, this is just us complaining about capitalism. <laughs> yep, that's the patriarchy. And it's weather. nothing that yep, we wouldn't that's, it was talk like, about here. It's like oppression, 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 <laughs> joke, 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 oppression, oppression, joke, joke, yeah. rage. And I was like, hmm, this might be not necessarily useful on the podcast, <laughs> except it's very on topic. So maybe it yeah, would. Yeah, we got um, a good balance. Yeah, but we've got that in common. Um, Well, before you wrap up, I was going to say before, I did find my note of like the moment I fell in love with each of you as a listener. share. Um, We could use the boost. (laughs) It was in the first episode with Grace when you were telling your ADHD story, which was much more eloquent and included better details than mine did. My bad. Um, Yeah, when you said that you your story was sort of I was put in the gifted and talented class but then I was actually struggling with some stuff but then I didn't want anyone to know and so I became a really great bullshitter Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my girl (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Sister from another mister. And then so I was like locked into you from that moment. I was so excited. Mm. I was like, I know this story. It's so familiar. Right. And then um, Kristen, I, you're kind of adorable anyway. You um, are so much like one of my closest friends who is uh, a gnome, a, 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 the world's best Smurf ally. She's so Smurf funny. Um, crazy funny. Uh, but the moment you really had me hooked was when you suggested um, denim furniture <laughs> during your clam <laughs> during your clam jail episode i think i laughed until i couldn't breathe anymore yeah and then you told your clam jail story and i just like lost my mind i was like yeah completely hooked yeah because i started listening to you guys in between figuring out i had adhd and getting the diagnosis because the process takes about a year in australia Mm -hmm. and so in the meantime i was just going on lots of real long walks having a deep think about things and so your podcast was really wonderful for me during that time because I found that most I could it was the only one I could find that wasn't just taking everything so seriously. Oh, yeah. Um and it was just nice to be able to giggle about how ridiculous this whole thing is and then not feel like sh- like I was being silly or immature for something that seems legitimately hilarious to me. And I just feel like the moment you lose your your childish sense of humor is the moment like you know, you're just one step aside from death. Yeah, what's yeah. the point? Right? I don't think we could be serious if yeah, we just, tried. No, and I've um, tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> there's, a, there's a place for earnestness. Um, just I, I, know, I don't think in day-to-day life when day-to-day life is like trickier than it needs to be. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, we do make it a lot harder gotta be out than it has to be. Yeah, one of those fun little quirks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, life on hard. We're yeah. honored and we're flattered and we're so glad we could be there for you during that tumultuous time of self-discovery yeah and we're happy that you're here with us now and we've become friends yeah thanks for having me yeah lucky me yeah thanks heaps for having me this is exciting i can't wait to get into quirks yeah quirks do you have them (laughs) yes we do All right. This has been part one of the Enya episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with part two of Enya's episode. We're doing Silly Seg, so definitely tune in for that. And you're looking at me like, like... I should be saying something. No, I'm I not. just I just realized that we say the bot after. Um, yeah, you always try to say. I it first. I just always try to say it first. Cause yeah. No, I don't well, know what we're doing in the show. Apparently, <laughs> you never do. I never do. Two years so, in. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. If you. Oh, do you have any like links or anything where you want people to find you, social media or whatever, or should they just like filter their comments and questions through us? Yeah, I'm not fussed. I have plans to start doing uh, comedy, coastal education video shorts, but I might never do that. So in general, people can look me up on social media if they like. Um, It's going to be mostly little short videos of people getting slammed. I really uh, get a lot of pleasure watching people have accidents. It's so funny (laughs) to me. Um, So if you (laughs) got me following Cook Slams. Yeah. Cook slams hard. Yeah. Uh, so it's Enya's Down the Beach on Instagram and then Enya Chitty, C-H-I-T-T-Y, like the car, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, on Facebook and LinkedIn. So I don't know that unless there's randomly a um, 
coastal scientist listening who has a job to offer, I don't see how LinkedIn would actually interest yeah. yeah. now. But there's a coastal there. scientist right now who's yeah. like, we've got her. <laughs> yes. This is the answer. This is it. Yeah. yeah. Go check her out. Let her know if you resonated with her episode. And if you have any questions or comments and you want to send them to us or have us pass along the message to Enya, you can at weirdsofafeather at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at weirdsofafeather. You can join our Facebook group. You can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash words with feather. And that money just goes towards keeping the podcast alive. And I think that's it. And it's time for the bod. Yeah. Yes. We do have a bod. I want your bod. Nice Ooh. bod. <laughs> oh. Um, it is. Be careful what you wish. <laughs> Uh, it's a bird with a name that says it all. It's a yellow-tailed black cockatoo. That's exactly what it is. It's a bird. It's a cockatoo with a yellow tail and a black bod. Yep. Yep. You guys Google that one from Kangaroo Island. Is it from Kangaroo, is it from Island? Kangaroo Island? We did. Uh, silly we wanted Aust- to do another silly Australian bird. Yeah. You guys have plenty. Um. Yeah, they're amazing. I call them my uncles and aunties. Oh. They have the most um beautiful call. And we also have a really rare black cockatoo over here, the red-tailed black cockatoo, that sounds like a goat dying. Oh, wow. So the yellow tails were the, the nicer choice. Yeah, they're really endangered. One of my besties runs their rehab program. Oh. It's really cool. Um, but, yes, Hope please play. Right, imitate this call. Hopefully you can hear this. Oh, this is going to be terrible. I see what you see why this is frustrating. Yeah. For right? <laughs> ah! That was better that than was, I was going to ah! <laughs> It's kind of like a squeaky horse. Yeah. Like, ah! Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's better. Yeah, very good. Oh my God. Yellowtail black cockatoos here. Yeah, are they in the room with us? <laughs> they hang. They hang out in these groups. I think they live to be really old, like 80, 90 years old. Oh, God. And then you won't realize that they're munching on nuts and stuff. You ride your bike through, and they go. <laughs> and they're like the whole oh canopy God. comes alive. And then you hear them talking to the other birds. The hardest thing is like you'll have a fruit tree and it'll start fruiting. And then you see them fly over and do a lap and sit on it and have a look around. You're like, great, they've clocked. They've clocked the apricots. Mm, Like that's no, they know, you know that they're like mapping the food source. One of them's like testing it and she's like, yeah, boys, that's, that's three weeks off. And they like eyeball you and they're like, we'll be back. To dis- to to destroy your <laughs> apricotrons. Well, you know what? I didn't have a fun. I just realized I didn't have a fun fact for them. So but, thank you for those yeah, fun facts. Yeah, thank you for those fun facts. That worked out well. Oh, yeah, no worries. They're beautiful. They're a lot bigger than you think they're going to be. Mm. Really, really clever. And I swear to God, they've got a whole language. I swear it must be more sophisticated than human language. You can tell they're having really in-depth conversations when they're talking to each other. It's pretty amazing stuff. I love a bird. Yeah. All right. So do I. Okay. Bye.